Blog Talk Radio. To all my people in the struggle, you think God's forgotten about you. Here's some pain medicine. Let's go! Welcome to In My Father's House. My name is Ariel, and I'm the host of the show. And today I'm so excited because this is a day that the Lord has made, and we will be glad and rejoice in it. Bonjour, mes amis. Comment ça va? Yes, today is all about France, and um, France has a particular place in my heart and definitely in the heart of the um, person I'm going to interview today, and I just as always, start off with prayer because this is my Father's house. So, Heavenly Father, we just come before you. We thank you for another broadcast. Father, you have ordained this broadcast, and we come against any principalities and powers of darkness that will try and hinder it because it will not stop this broadcast from going forth. And Father, we thank you for our guest, John Lowen, Father, a prophet of of you, Lord, a prophet of God sent to France and sent to many countries and sent to the United States. But today we're going to emphasize France, the people of France. And Father, we thank you for every viewer, every listener, everyone calling in. Father, those who are going to be in the archives that are going to hear what you have done in this country, what you're doing now, and what you have prophesied in the future. So, Father, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, our Lord and our Redeemer. And, Holy Spirit, have your way in this broadcast. This is the time. This is the season. Well, today, ladies and gentlemen, I just um, thank you for tuning in, and I just want to tell you a little bit about our guests. Um, The funny thing is, and I just love all the different people God has put in my past, because with John, I've known him for so I've known him for so long, and he has been um, from the beginning. Um, I met him years and years ago when we worked at a newspaper, but John Lowen was born in the Democratic Republic of the Congo to missionary parents, and he got saved at the age of nine. And he has been used as a missionary in France, Germany, Benin, Guatemala, Haiti, and several other nations. Um, he speaks fluent French, and I think he also speaks Spanish. Um, he served as a managing editor of the Christian Event Journal, is where I met him. 
and there was some definitely some adventures we've had together supernaturally God has put us together we never even would call each other we weren't friends at the time we were colleagues but God put us together now we're friends and this has been almost 20 years I have known him he has served the Lord in various capacities in faith healing prophecy words of knowledge and wisdom he is also um, my substantive editor for the book that the Lord had me write, which is called Be Made Whole, and he just finished editing my second book, which will be coming out shortly, and I'll tell you all about that later. But right now, I'd like to introduce to our listeners, John Lowen. Welcome, John. Thanks so much, Kathy. It's, uh, it's a privilege, it's an honor to be here this morning, and I'm just, I'm just uh, grateful and looking forward to what God's going to do. Oh, yes. Well, I, I see that we do have some callers, and callers, anytime you want to talk to John, John or myself, just press that one, and that will um, illuminate the microphone and know that you would like to speak. And what the parameters is, um, of the show is, you know, I'm, I'm always testing to see what the Holy Spirit is doing, and if there's a flow in the Spirit, I I will bring you in after there's an opening. So if you'd like to call in, the number is 818-688-5678. And I just want to, um, first of all, John, uh, when we first met, before we talk about the time when you and I met, why don't you give the listeners a little background of your journey with God up until the Christian Event Journal, and then we'll then that's when we'll start sharing. And I just I can't wait because there's some neat things that you and I have done in the past. So, um, so if you can go ahead and share with the to the listeners the you know the your salvation at five being brought up by missionary parent uh, parents um, and what that was like in your walk up until I think it was like 1994 is when you know you probably came to Christian Event Journal, but can you share a little That's bit about right, that? Kathy. Certainly. Yeah, actually I was born again when I was five. I was just a child and my aunt who was a missionary to Japan explained to me the reality of heaven and hell and, and as a as a child I even though I was only five years old, I very very distinctly understood uh the message she was sharing. So all by myself on front steps of the house where we were living I gave my heart to Jesus. So I was only five years old, and I always share this because, I, you know, my heart, among other things, and uh, it's for children, you know, and children very uh, much do understand spiritual matters. So, you know, as a five-year-old, I gave my heart to the Lord. And then uh, later on, as a teenager, I think I was 15, perhaps 16, I had an experience which really profoundly affected my life. Now, this was during the Jesus Movement in the 70s, and um, I was uh, I was at my my uncle's farm in Minnesota, and um, I was I was in the backyard, and um, my cousins had experienced the touch of God. They were involved in a Bible study in a nearby town, and they said, you know, God is real. He He talks to you. You can have a relationship with with Him. You know, so even though I was a believer, I hadn't really I didn't have an intimate walk with the Lord. So I, I put I put God to a test and and, and uh, walking in, the, in, the, in that forest and back of my uncle's uh, house and on his farm in Minnesota, I said, God, if you're real, I said, and I, and I, and uh, I really put him to the test. I said, uh, have a morning cloak. A morning cloak is a is a type of a butterfly. Come and land on this branch, 
right in front of me. So I specified the type of butterfly. I specified the location and the timing. I said, God, have, have that butterfly land on this branch right now. And I had no sooner uttered than that prayer than a morning cloak came out of the sky and landed on that branch in front of me. So I knew at that moment that God really did answer prayer, that, that he heard us as we talked to him. And so that was kind of the second uh, phase of my development in terms of my relationship with God. And then I would say the third and I would say the most important part of my development uh, in my relationship with God occurred when I was studying at the University of Maryland. This was probably about 11 years later uh, when um, I was actually sick. I'd been sick for about three months and I would be sleeping around 12 hours a day and doctors felt it might be mononucleosis or, but, but the bottom line was I was very tired. And um, so one day I was, it was between semesters. I was at my parents' house and um, I looked down next to my bed. There was a book and I didn't realize it at the time, but it was a Bible. I hadn't, I hadn't really been walking with the Lord during my university days, but I picked it up, and, and I began to read it. I read from Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, and the words of Jesus just really jumped out at me. You know, Jesus said, uh, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So his words just spoke so profoundly to my to my heart and my soul and my spirit because I was, I think I was in all of those situations. I was poor in spirit. You know, I was kind of hurting. I was just kind of wondering, like, why would I be so sick and ill? And I was I was definitely not feeling really inspired or good. Or But Jesus, you know, in my uh, lowly position, you know, still called me blessed. And I, so I felt his, his, his mercy uh, uh, through reading those scriptures. And and through uh, just reading that short passage, it was like my life was illuminated. I, I began to see answers to all sorts of questions I'd had, you know, these deep questions about why there was an, an inequality in life and why certain people, you know, would prosper, and they seemed to uh, have advantages over people that were not prospering, and all these, you know, kind of philosophical issues that university students deal with, you know, were all answered in a, in a moment of time, and I came to see that Jesus was the great equalizer, and that through him, whether you're rich, whether you're poor, regardless of the situation that you're in, you're going to have to go through that one door. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And that reality was made very clear to me as I studied the Word or, or read that passage. So from that moment on, I began um, reading the Bible on a daily basis. I would start to read up to two hours every day for the next seven years or so, I really poured over the Word, and the Word really became an anchor to my life and, and to my walk with the Lord. So, um, you know, at that point, I really had been kind of set on a course where I uh, basically let the Lord uh, guide me and lead me through His Word and by His Spirit. So that's that's kind of a, a brief, um, uh, you know, sharing of, of my background. Right. Now, you know, I, I call you a prophet, and um, a lot of times people may not know the difference um, between the uh, a prophet and maybe some people listening may think, well, what's the difference between a prophet and a psychic? Um, can you share a little bit about the prophetic and the office of a prophet? I'd be glad to, Kathy. Uh, the scripture that comes to my mind is uh, Jeremiah 1, uh, 
verse 10 in the Bible, the book of Jeremiah says, uh, in verse 10, chapter 1, it says, See, I have this day set thee over nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down and to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So you see there are kind of the six functions of a prophet. But before I kind of go over those six different elements of, of the prophetic, I want to read uh, verse 5 of that same chapter, Jeremiah 1, okay. verse 5 says, Before I firm formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nation. So in, in this situation, you see Jeremiah, who has already been ordained to be a prophet, and then we skip down to verse 10, which I just read, and we see what the functions of a prophet are. And, and they're basically, I would say, in two different categories. One, the first uh, uh, bunch of um, uh, indicators are, are kind of things that, that they clean up, they cleanse, they purify, they kind of set the ground for uh, the work of the prophet. Um, he says in verse 10, he says, to root out... So I always like to use the example or think of how people understand this example by, by thinking of like a general contractor or a builder, somebody who goes in and they see an um, undeveloped land. Well, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to have to root out. You're going to have to pull out the trees. So that's what the prophet does, and, and that's a prophetic a work is where you, um, whether it's in your own personal life where you have to root out whatever might not be pleasing to God or in the life of your congregation or the people that you're dealing with or your community or, or your nation, whatever your call is, you have to pull out the things that are not from God. It says to pull down is the second qualification. So you have rooted out, let's say, the weeds, and then, then you have to pull down the trees, and, and maybe there's some abandoned houses, or maybe there's something, again, that's hasn't been designated by the Lord. So you need to remove these things. The third thing it says to destroy. And I'm reminded of an example of, of Africa, where I used to live. What often um, farmers would do when they're preparing land for for use, what they'll do is they'll they'll burn up the uh, the grass. And what that does is that you know prepares that land for a new crop of uh, whatever they're they're planting. So that's the third thing: is to destroy. You have to destroy the old things, and then it says to throw down. So that's a continuation of the same thing, where we're just removing the old, and then we're kind of setting a platter. We're setting a, um, you know, the, the the scene for for the new things that God wants to do. And those are described in the last two characteristics uh, of a prophet, which is to build and to plant. And uh, again, using the analogy of a contractor, a contractor will go, you know, on a certain piece of land, and they'll they'll build, let's say, a house, or you know whatever it is that they're they're building or a building or and so then what the prophet will do is after again and and we'll we'll talk about how he does these things in in just a moment but what he does next after all this land has been kind of cleared um then he can build and then finally what a contractor will do is he will he will put like plants you know like trees or bushes or shrubs or even plant grass and so that's the final thing he does is he plants things. So that's kind of briefly the role of a prophet is to, you know, kind of clear out the land. And, that, again, that could be a geographical land. It could be, you know, it could be spiritual land. It could be your heart, you know. But he cl 
clears out whatever um, area he's called to deal with, and then after the area has been uh, kind of prepared, then he builds and then he plants. So that's roughly the, the role of a prophet. Oh, I love the way you explain that because so many different things came to mind. One time God had given me insight on territory. Territory is not only land, but we are made of the dust of the earth, you know, with the, the Ruach breath of God. So we are terra. So it's like when he says take territory, it can also mean human beings and land. And I also thought about you also have a degree in civil engineering. So you definitely you can see how things need to be um it, you know, God doesn't waste any of the gifts and talents and the and the education we have. He pulls that all in and say, okay, here you are. You come in here and you can see it as that. And I think it's just wonderful. Now, when people don't, they can they may have a prophetic gift, but if they're not brought in the kingdom, a lot of times they're considered psychics, and they may not know that they're dealing with darkness. What would you say if someone's that's, listening and maybe that's what they're kind of bent toward, thinking, well, I'm a prophet. They tuned in maybe right. because they saw the word prophet, but yet they're mm-hmm. dealing in the kingdom of darkness. What would you say to them? Well, you know, it's interesting. The Bible says that the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. That's the King James Version. And that basically means is that God doesn't change a call that he's placed upon your life. I remember this one... Um, prophet that I encountered in, in the 80s, and he actually had been a psychic. And uh, this was a gift and a calling upon his life. In other words, there are innate giftings and callings. And I've encountered, you know, several people who um, initially started out in the psychic realm because of the gift and calling, because, you know, God had given them something which allowed them to see into the future. Now, the filter, let's say, that you have as a psychic will be through the kingdom of darkness because um, without God or Jesus, you can only see through the filter that the world provides you. And the world does not um, is not governed by Jesus Christ, the world system. Now, within the world, those who have uh, invited Jesus into their heart, they are governed by the Lord, and then they can see through this filter that allows them to prophesy. So I would just say that... Um, let's say if you're from a psychic background or currently in, involved as a psychic, that you're seeing, but you're seeing not prophetically, you're seeing through the wrong filter. In other words, just to talk briefly about the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of darkness uh, does not have to have a positive um, outcome for an individual. You know, there is heaven and hell, and, and, and I don't know if you've shared this on your past programs, Kathy, but having been editor of a couple of your books, I know that you've yes. actually been to hell. There, yes. It's a very real place. Yes, it is. So people that are, yeah, so people that are in the psychic realm, with perhaps knowing it or perhaps not knowing it, they're actually serving the, the king of the kingdom of darkness, who is Satan himself. So what they're doing is they're seeing through a filter that is uh, of of the enemy. So you can have, let's say, a psychic is going to, you know, promise somebody, you know, wealth and fame and, you know, beautiful women or handsome men, whatever their desires might be, uh, those those um, promises, if we could call them that, are always kind of hedged around the um, the goals and the ambitions of Satan, which is to pull people into hell. You know, because there's no love 
in, in the kingdom of darkness. There's no compassion. There's no mercy. So what happens, and you'll see this in um, people that have been involved in witchcraft and other uh, forms of of the occult, is when they when they stay in it for um, a period of time, eventually Satan will call them to do darker and darker things. In other words, maybe he starts out by, you know, enticing you in 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 some way where somebody you know just tells you to you know to you know do some form of sin and then you'll get a small reward well after that sin you get the reward and you think wow that was you know that wasn't that hard but the deeper and deeper you get into it the more and more dark it gets and then you start getting into really vile forms of of absolute atrocities you know where people are, are murdered and killed and human sacrifices and all these variety of other things and it didn't start out that way but because there is no mercy in that kingdom if you're going to continue you know receiving uh the gifts and the promises that the enemy of our soul satan has uh promised you you have to do darker and darker things so uh whereas a prophet of god you know god's god's promises are always up up building they're they're always um for uh your ultimate good, you know, there, like I said, there is a heaven and there's a hell. And whereas people who do not uh, uh, accept Jesus Christ and who allow Satan to rule their lives and their hearts, whereas they have an eternal destiny in hell, not because God hates them, but because they have not accepted the protection and the love and you know that comes from having a relationship with God, you know, um, and without, you know, that that love and that protection they're they're doomed for hell on the other hand god in the prophetic gift will use an individual to speak into people's lives in a way whereby they will be edified they will be encouraged and uh you know their eternal uh destiny will be um prepared in such a way that that they can only look forward to good things you know to go to heaven you know to to, to really be protected and to be in peace, you know, all the days of their life. And just I'll maybe just share this briefly in closing. You know, my own testimony is that um, before I had this encounter with the Word, I was, like I said, studying um, at, the, at the University of Maryland. Um, I was I was not in peace. I I would say I was probably tormented a lot of the time because, like I said, I had I backslid from the Lord and. And without God's protection, we don't have the peace of heart, the peace of mind, you know, that we need, um, you know, to perform effectively. And let me just finally close with this, and I'm not guaranteeing all the listeners that they're going to have the same results as I did, but I, by the grace of, and with the help of God, I ended up, you know, top of my engineering class, not because there was some kind of little magic formula and God would tell me all the answers on the exams, but rather because he gave me peace in my heart. And through that piece, he allowed me to study. He allowed me to budget my time correctly, and I was able to do my assignments, you know, get them done on time. And and it just it just totally changed my world, so that I was able, you know, to be successful. And I just want to maybe just share this one verse, which is Jeremiah twenty twenty nine eleven. Again, going back to the book of Jeremiah, and you know, Jeremiah was very clearly a prophet. You know, and that verse says, Behold the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Just so to perhaps just summarize briefly the difference between a psychic and a prophet would be um a prophet will uh point a person and will lead a person in a direction that leads to long term blessing. 
whereas a psychic might give a word that might give a quick, um, you know, feeling of good or a quick feeling of, of, you know, having their pain relieved, but in the long term it has very destructive uh, results ultimately leading in, you know, in hell itself. So that's, that's right. kind of a, a brief explanation between a prophet, uh, of the difference between a prophet and a psychic. Well, that's great, John. You know, so many things came up. One thing I wanted to tell the listeners, and you can see sometimes God puts people in your life when you need to have them in your life. When I was a little girl, I fell in love with a friend of mine's mother. She was just so happened to be a French woman, and she I loved to hear her speak French, and she taught me how to crochet. And I think that was the beginning of my love for the French people and the, and the French language and France. And later on, I remember watching the movie The Red Balloon. And in high school, I took four years of French because one day I was going to go to Paris and I was going to use this French. And, you know, through life courses, that didn't happen. But then God started putting French people in my path. It would be I would be somewhere, and next thing you know, it would be someone from France, and they would ask me questions. And one thing that led up to eventually meeting you and then how God took us on an adventure, and listeners, you're going to hear some of that, a testimony of, of, of my time in France, is I had a call from an organization, and they asked me to come to speak to French students. Well, I was supposed to kind of chaperone them for a couple of days. And it was a, definitely a divine appointment because in that time frame, I found out how the French kids were really into the occult. They were into palm reading. They were into seances. And I was like, wow, there's a lot of, you know, things that they're doing that they don't have any business doing. And I was hoping God would open up a door, and he did. Um, I had asked them to put on on the board because they were learning about the English language, and, and, you know, they had a really good command on the English language, but they loved American music. And at that time, it was Tupac Shakur's song that they loved. I said, okay, put it up on the board, you know. And in the song, it had, yes, I um, walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. And so I looked because I hadn't really analyzed that song. And I said, do you guys know where this comes from? And they're shaking their head. And I remember saying, the Bible. And they looked at me and said, what's the Bible? That right there showed me what territory France is. Can you talk a little bit right now about um, how you were called to France? What was your first time going um, before that time you and I went? How did you get that calling and what happened? Sure, Kathy. Um, It was, I would say, interesting. you know, this was back in 1993. Um, my world had come apart. The world as I knew it at the time. I was, I was married. I, I had a, had a son, and you know, I had a nice place to stay. I had a good job. But basically, all these things were taken away from me in, in a ruling, an un, unjust ruling by a judge who used the landlord to basically, you know, change all the stipulations of, of the agreement that we had. And um, through this ruling, basically, we were kicked out of our house and. You know, my wife left me. It was it was kind of a job experience. So, uh, but you know, my faith in God by His grace wasn't really changed. You know, it's like I, I kind of went before God and I said, God, I know you're a good God. I don't understand what has happened to me, but I'm going to trust you. You know, for my future. So I I began to fast and I began to pray, 
And I would I went on a, on some several long fasts uh, um, of forty days, and and I would have like water and juice and other things. Some people fast with uh, with just water, but I. You know, I would add juice and soup and other liquids, you know, to, to give myself a little energy to work during during those long fasts. So, but as I would be fasting, uh, I noticed, um, that, like for instance, I would open a, a world atlas, and the page would open right to to France, or uh, I would be watching television and be a French soccer match, or it'd be a French lesson on TV, or I would open the newspaper and be an article about a city in in France, or you know, I worked at a convenience store, and as I would open the the, the cash register, uh, I would ha- there would be French coins in it, or I would you know be stopped at a traffic signal. The car in front of me would have a big F on the on the bumper. So um, there was a lady who had who had actually visited the Washington D.C. area, and she had said, and and this was in spring of '93. She says, you know, France really needs missionaries. So as I as I began to pray about it, I I thought, you know, God. I just sense that you're just calling me to this land, and 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 I had had previous experiences in francophone countries. I went to a French middle school when I lived in Cote d'Ivoire, which is Ivory Coast in West Africa. So I had been in French school, and you know, as you can imagine, uh, reading French, hearing French, eight hours a day, you know, in school, you know, I picked up the language fairly quickly, and within about six months, I was speaking fairly fluently. So I was there for two and a half years. So, but I had never really thought that that, that I would end up in in France or some French-speaking country. But again, through the prayer, through leaning on the Lord and really seeking His counsel, I I, I felt that God was leading me in this in this direction. So, uh, I had a friend, and he was involved in business, and he said, you know, John, a business friend of mine, and myself are going over to France, and I know you have an interest, and the Lord's been speaking to you about France. Would you like to come with us? So for me, that was kind of like a a real answer to prayer. And uh, so I went along with them. We left on um, March 10, uh, 1995, and we went on a a kind of a whirlwind tour of Europe where we saw uh, uh, nine or ten different countries in about eight days. And and as he was leaving, you know, I I had a very... uh, interesting decision that I had to make but those were the uh, you know those are the kind of the events that led up to my my involvement in France and how France became kind of like um, something on my heart and in my mind and I believe also on God's heart and his and in his mind as well well I know when I met you at the Christian event journal um, we worked in different departments and so you know, I knew of John, but I didn't really know him. We weren't friends, and and um, one time the the paper had asked you to cover the Toronto blessing, and myself and some other people went with you because it was road trip, you know, <laughs> and I was just um, pretty new in the Lord, so I wasn't used to the supernatural and the gifts of the Spirit. And I remember when we went there, and I I was telling you how, like, I don't know, is this of God? And I'll never forget you had said to me that you were just so pleased to see people get freedom, whether it was, you know, them just crying out or just sobbing or just rolling around. And I remember that sticking with me. And another thing I remember is when we were coming back, I never heard the voice of God, but I remember sharing with you and everybody in the car about, I said, God just said 
there's going to be movies where people are going to get saved in their seats. And I remember you were so excited, and you said, yeah, let's pray for it. And, and we were praying, and never in a million years did I think that he was going to eventually have me part of that. And in that, you know, there's a timeline when that was released, and then – in 1996, this is the, and I don't know if you know this backstory to it, but I was planning a trip. Remember, I had been wanting to go to France all my life, and I was planning a trip. And I'll never forget Maureen, who also worked at the station. She called me and told me there was a letter from you. And I'm like, to me? Like, why would he be writing me? And at the time, when she read the letter, you had said that you felt that I should be in France. Well, here I was planning a trip. Well, the letter was a couple of months old, and by that time, you had already come back to the States. So when you were getting ready to go back, you had said you knew somebody with a consolidated ticketer, and so we actually went to France. Now, hear me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going on vacation. I did not know this was going to be a mission trip. So when we get to Luxembourg, I realize I don't know John's a prophet. I don't know that he's evangelist. I'm now seeing him in in action. He is actually ministering to the young people, the backpackers all around the train station. And I was thinking, yeah, that's nice, you know. Um, again, still kind of very carnal. And, and I remember when we got to Paris, well, first of all, seeing the Eiffel Tower, I just started crying. But I remember, John, this was my first actual encounter with a prophet of God prophesying, not worrying about people's faces. You got up in the middle of the train of the metro in Paris, and you started speaking to all the people. And I'll just say that I had never seen that. My own carnal mind was like, what is going on? And I, you know... I have to real, you know, some we're at different points, but at that point, I didn't, I wasn't a very strong Christian, and I remember going to my room that night, and the Lord dealing with me, saying, "I thought you said you'll never be ashamed of the gospel," and He He encouraged me to pray for you as you were ministering. Do you remember that time when we went? And um, can you share with everyone what God was unctioning you to do? And then also, if you can share about that young man that you ministered to that years later, some things happened. You know what I'm talking about, the one who became a pastor? Yes, absolutely. Um, well, Kathy, you know, the fire of God, and, and maybe I should explain to the listeners what, what that is. I don't know, when when you, when God has kind of anointed you or let's say when he's called you to do something he places his spirit within you and when that spirit you know becomes very strong it's almost like you know having to go to the bathroom i don't know what a better (laughs) example is but you just gotta go right now it's the same thing when the spirit of god you know comes on you you're either gonna preach or you're gonna explode so i think it was similar to that um you know it was like I knew that if I did not share, you know, what was on my heart, I would I would go ballistic. So, you know, the fire of God was burning in me, and I think part of that has to do, you know, with the environment that you're in. Now, I think even at that kind of early point in my life, you know, I already realized that God had placed a call upon your life. Uh, you know, I realized that God had called you also as, as a prophetess, as a, 
even in his apostle, and that he was he would be sending you, and you would be doing similar missions. So I think God was, you know, putting that fire on me in, in a way to kind of prepare you for the work that you would be doing. It wasn't just for the people that I was preaching to. And I remember we preached on a couple different occasions. I remember we yep. preached on that little boat on the on the Seine. We preached the there. And, oh, yeah. you even remember the name. But <laughs> then, yeah, we, I, I didn't remember that. But we preached on the subway more than one occasion. So I think in a sense it was also, you know, God preparing you for the work that you were doing. And so he allowed that spirit to rest on me in such a way that, you know, it would force me to kind of step out of my comfort zone and, and show you kind of the work that he would, you know, be calling you to do in the future. Um, now, the example about the, um, you know, the, the guy who eventually became a pastor, and I'm still in touch with him to this day, and this is also a remarkable story, is when we went down to Lyon, and, and you company be down to Lyon from Paris, um, you know, I had been ministering in the trains of, of Lyon as well, in the subway system there, and I had come across this young man who would be playing guitar. You know, he spoke French, he spoke English. In fact, he was a native Englishman. So I would, I ended ended up speaking to him in English a lot of the time. Um, and uh, but I had no idea, you know, where he was at. You know, I just you know encouraged him to follow the Lord and trust God and give his life to the Lord. Well, a couple of years later, I guess this would have been in. Um, well, it was like three or four years later. In 2000, uh, I was back in Paris, and uh, I was at a prayer meeting in Paris, and uh, I saw this guy at the back of the church. He looked somewhat familiar. and I, So after the prayer meeting, I, I went up to him and I talked to him. I said, you know, you, you look familiar. I, I think I've seen you somewhere. And I think he probably already knew I recognized me, but I didn't recognize him. So he was just kind of smiling. And eventually I looked at him. And he had put on probably 40 pounds because he was really skinny when he was in the subway and he had really long hair. Well, he'd also cut his hair. So it wasn't really obvious who he was. But also I realized I said, wow, you're the guy that used to play guitar on the subway. Well, as it, as it turned out, it was him. And you know, he had done two years of Bible school, had married the pastor's daughter, and he was launching out into his ministry. And, 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 and since that time, he's actually... Um, now has a worldwide ministry. He's uh, you know, ministered uh, in India, in a variety of nations, has a tremendous healing anointing. You know, the blind see, the deaf hear, and God is just using him as a tremendous evangelist, and I think now as a pastor, because he's actually uh, now in the States, he's ministering, I think, in, in Massachusetts. So, yeah, the Lord has really, you know, used him in a powerful way, but it, at least my... Uh, experience with him started on the subway just you know through you know just sharing you know real simple um elements of the faith so yeah that's briefly the story of of the young man that i met there and i remember um uh, listeners when he's talking about lyon lyon france is about four hours train ride from paris and um on the tgv (laughs) and i remember Uh was going to uh, lyon and we had met with um uh, you had introduced me to various pastors and congregations and i i remember just in, you know in even though we were going to a different house of worship i was enjoying the way they were worshiping which was so different from american churches and then i think we even went to a church where the holy spirit had really gone through there and um 
you know, they, they kind of squelched it, but there was still some people on fire. And I also remember the kids, the kids. These were some amazing kids. And I, I felt so glad to go and get French Bibles for for them. And then two years later, the, can you tell the story of how they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, these same kids? Oh, wow, yeah, I, I sure can. I remember uh, praying in the morning before the kids, before really the day started, it was probably around 8 or 9 o'clock, and I think I was going to be heading out, and then they were going to go out and play. Well, we just, you know, gathered in a circle, and we prayed, and we said, God, just, you know, have your way today, you know, be glorified, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, come and just touch and fill and, and, and just move in the lives of each one of us. It was a simple prayer like that, but when uh, when we came back to the house, um, we noticed this funny sound, and we went upstairs, and these kids were all praying in tongues. There was three of them. I think they were like 9, 10, and 11, approximately, <laughs> and they, they could not stop. It was uh, it was like an upper room experience. Uh, it literally was an upper room because the bedroom was upstairs, and they were, you know, one was in the closet, one was under the bed, and then the other one, they just, they prayed for, you know, probably close to an hour in tongues, and they were just totally um, enraptured with the Holy Spirit. So oh, I would I would call God. it like a like a sovereign outpouring of the Holy Spirit where they they got like literally baptized you know which means to be immersed or and to be covered not only filled but they were just immersed in the Holy Spirit and so they started praying in other tongues and um, I remember that evening at the meal uh, one of the girls said um, you know is it okay if we pray in tongues you know she was so excited. <laughs> By what God had done, you know, in, in touching her life, you know, and it was it was so neat to see God, um, you know, moving in the lives of these children, and you know, touching their lives, you know, for for eternity, really. Oh, this is amazing, and also that was a time when we walked the land. Not only did we walk the land in Paris, and I didn't know that's what it was, but is that also the time when we were near Interpol and there was a Bible study and that was the first time that, um, I was it in Lyon or was it in Paris, but, um, where I felt the fire of God. And I remember looking at you and I didn't say a word, but you knew what was happening to me. And they all were kind of talking about, there was no hell. There was, and I don't even think I had gone to hell at this time. No, but it was just, they were saying all these different things and I don't know. It was something came over me and I just blurted it out and put it, put it this way. The whole meeting just shut down. (laughs) And I remember being like, Oh my gosh, what has happened? Why did I say that? And you were, you were encouraging me saying, yeah, God just came in because I didn't know what was happening. But apparently there was a lot of stuff going on in this group, but God knew. And as you said earlier, which I had never known, is you were helping me get ready for the way God was going to use me to also bring a word of correction, bring some things to light. But I didn't know it, and I was afraid of it. But, you know, he He encouraged me. And, and listeners, a lot of times, you know, people, you know, God will put you with people to do some work in you. And one of the things I knew, because John and I are so different in personalities and how we react to different things, but I would know there were times when God would just tell me to listen or just hold my tongue or, you know, and I had to learn how to walk with a man of God. And I think that is also preparation for in the future. Now, one of the things I I want to bring up is – um, I'll just say, you, you know who I'm talking about. I don't want to use her real name because, um, 
even if she may hear this broadcast in the future, but it was a young lady that I actually got to stay at her house, and she even had a plaque that said this is the first missionary, and I was the first missionary, and I was just like, um, and you knew her, but she was a lady who had been demon-possessed. Do you remember mm-hmm. her? And oh, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I remember, um, I remember her, you know, her testimony. And if you can share a little bit, I want to honor a song that she had given to me. Um, it's called mm-hmm. "Pure Femon Kerr. And um, if you can tell a little bit about her and what happened to her and what's happening now, and then I'll play the song. And it's a beautiful worship song, and she would sing this every morning. And it has it's a beautiful lyrics to it, but it it talks about you know rendering your heart to God. It's in French, and I found a French version. Um, is um, let me be as gold and precious silver, purify my heart, and my desire is to be holy, ready to do Your will. So you can share a little mm-hmm. bit about the person I was talking about because there are people, in, you know, France has, you know, the, their main, I guess their main symbol is the rooster, and they're very proud people. And I tell Americans when they talk about French people, I say, well, you know, we're no different. We have people that come to our country, and first thing we're saying is speak English. Well, when you go to a foreign country, which I suggest everybody get the book Culture Shock for any country, you have to know how they think, what they're all about, and you can't come in with an attitude of, you know, superiority or entitlement. You have to try and speak their language. You have to try and get to know them. They will know you by the love of Christ. And if nothing else, that's when God says, okay, you're ready to go into these countries because you're going to show my love. You're not going to come in trying to say, you know, you're you're doing something wrong and here it is, right? Once they know you love them, then that love covers the multitude of sin. That love breaks the yoke. And that's what happened to this lady. So if you would share about her. Yeah, she had grown up in a household uh, where her uh, parents were uh, practicing Satanists, and um, they, um, I don't know if they, she was actually born to be a sacrifice, but she uh, was regularly around uh, human sacrifice, and uh, I think, you know, she uh, was perhaps even born for that purpose. But, yeah, so she had, you know, was involved in ritual abuse, uh, and then through somebody who had witnessed to her, you know, uh, just, you know, in a very loving way, over a few years, over a course of time, you know, she had was maturing into adulthood, and she was able to get away from her parents. You know, she actually started going to some African churches uh, where the pastors, also from Cote d'Ivoire, from Ivory Coast, they were very strong in the area of deliverance. So they, they, they saw that, you know, she needed deliverance, and um, she came to live in their house, and you know, over the course of, of of some months and some years, she uh, she was delivered of of you know many many demons. And um, but she became a tremendous worshiper. And I remember you know she would get up in the morning every morning and just play her guitar. She was so you know devout and so consecrated. It was beautiful. And actually, I I remember uh, just a few years later, uh, I was on a different. This was, I think 2004. I was you know back in um, southern France. Uh, in Lourdes, which is, you know, known for its, you know, Catholic uh, healing um, ministry there. Um, I was back there, and uh, we were having a, um, a meeting there, 
And I, I saw her there, and, you know, she had become a member of the End Time Handmaidens, you know, which was uh, started by the late, you know, Gwen Shaw, who you know, just passed away a couple of days ago. You know, God, God rest her soul. And I, you know, thank God for, you know, Gwen Shaw's amazing ministry. But, yeah, so she was, you know, had totally given herself over to the Lord, ended up marrying an African pastor. And, and she was, it was just amazing the transformation, you know, God did in her life, you know, taking her out of the kingdom of darkness, delivering it into the kingdom of, of his marvelous light, you know. So it's, it's beautiful to see the power of God to deliver people from bondage, from a possession. And, you know, I guess she might be an example of, of like a modern-day Mary Magdalene, you know, who poured the oil, who broke the alabaster box. Uh, at Jesus' feet and just washed his feet with that precious oil, that precious perfume, you know. Mary had been delivered, the Bible says, of seven demons, you know. So she was so grateful, you know, to what the Lord had done. And, and there's something about being delivered, you know, from Satan's grip that makes a person so grateful to the Lord. And, and she certainly w would have been a perfect example of that. Oh, yeah, she was. And she was Parisian. She was Caucasian. And I remember she spoke a little bit of English, and I spoke a little bit of French, but we were connected in the spirit, and I remember her saying that the only love she got was from her dog. So this is dedicated to her and those who um, who hear that testimony and can experience the love of God. This is called Purifi Mon Coeur. that because um, she was the first person to introduce me. I'd never heard of Hillsong before, 
Um, this was would have been early, uh, late 90s, actually. Um, but, yeah, she she had such a heart of worship, you know, and it just, once again, it just reminds me of Mary Magdalene, you know, who broke that alabaster box at Jesus' feet, you know, and, and was just, and, and it was actually the first person who saw Jesus, you know. It's interesting that, you know, it could have been Peter, John, or James, or one of the disciples, but it was Mary Magdalene that he chose to first uh, reveal himself to. Mm-hmm. You know, she was the one who had paid the dearest price. You know, they say that that alabaster box was was worth a year's wages. I mean, that would have been like in our day's terms, you know, maybe $40,000. It's just like pouring $40,000 at his feet, you know. And, and you know, you can imagine what Judas would have been thinking, you know. He would have been, oh, my God, that money could have been used to, you know, help <laughs> the poor or, you know, and, and, you know, probably the Pharisees were just so indignant. But, you know, she just poured it all out before before Jesus at his feet. So, it just, yeah, it just reminds me of Mary Magdalene, you know, in that heart, just to give everything to the Lord. Yes, yes. Well, you know, one time, I, I remember one time you came to church with me, and my pastor came up to you, and he I remember him holding your hands and tell, saying about your hands being an anointed. And I, in 1998, the Lord had told me to go back to France. Now, I would love to say I was obedient, and yes, okay, Lord, I'm going, but I'm just being real. I did not want to go back to France. I didn't know how I was going to do this. Um, But to make a long story short, I rebelled, and I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, when God wants you to do something and you don't obey there's consequences because if you have a call in your life, God wants obedience. And, you know, we, we have our permiss- permissive will. And I remember crumpling down on the floor and saying, God, if you want me to go to France, then send me a sign. And within an hour, here comes John. <laughs> I said, God, now remember, we don't talk, we don't communicate. Supernaturally, God will either put it on John's heart or somehow, and we just connect. So now he, the, what he said is, when are you coming back to France? And I remember saying, okay, I'm coming in a couple of months. And at that time, I said, okay, well, I'll go and talk to my pastor. Surely he may not want me to go, and then that will be a way out, right, God? Well, anyway, I went to my pastor, and what he said is, yes, I know you're supposed to go, and when you go, here's some money for John. Give this to him. So now God's giving the green light. I literally get a non-refundable ticket for two weeks. Um, I know I'm coming, and then I hadn't communicated. So when I did, I talked to a person there, and all the the things went down to the side. Um, John, I think you were ministering with an, uh, another pastor throughout France, and I, we really didn't talk about when I was coming to be, you know, to to be. I just knew I was coming. So, so I'm sitting there going, "Okay, God, this doesn't make sense. You want me to go back, but everything is shut down." And God didn't say anything, and I think and I know that he wanted me to say, yes, I'll go, even if I didn't know how it was going to be taken care of. I had $200 and two-week non-refundable ticket. Well, I was getting ready to go out the door to go, you know, once I decided, well, if I had to sleep on the step, you know, whatever, God, you'll take care of me. So as I was going to go to the airport, John, you called and said that you were in Paris, and I just started smiling and said, look at God. And you, you met me and also the pastor and that night 
ladies and gentlemen, thinking, okay, why is God having me here? We go to a church, and on the door it says, do what to God sees everything. And we walk in, and that night I actually got to speak to a church in Paris. And later on that night, I actually spoke, well, dreamt in French and woke up speaking fluent French for a day. Now, I only have a very little, je parle français un petit peu, very little, can I say, in, in French. I can understand, je comprends a little bit more, but I was speaking fluently. So this was a sign that I was supposed to be there. And while I was there, John, we we were together, and then I went to Lyon, you went to Marseille, because see, ladies and gentlemen, what he hasn't shared with you, and I don't, you know, is that he's actually been beat up, persecuted severely for the gospel. And, you know, can you share what transpired when you've been in France, things that were said, to, you know, by the end, of, well, we're not giving him any credit, but we're showing you how we have to persevere when the enemy's malice is against us. We have to know who whose we are and what we have to do to combat that. Yeah, one incident, which actually you were involved, I would say, um, you know, directly, if not, you know, indirectly, if not directly, is, is was on Easter Sunday when, um, I was out at one of the plazas in Lyon, and I wanted to pray for this guy in a wheelchair. Now, he was with a friend of his. Now, apparently, his friend felt I, I stepped on his toe or, you know, he had on a pair of new shoes, and I, I don't know. Anyway, he felt disrespected. He was drunk, started pounding me. I mean, he literally grabbed me around the neck. Wow. And, you know, I I will say this, though, just, you know, as kind of a warning, you know, I I did pray in tongues, but I didn't pray with authority. Nonetheless, I was, you know, counting on God, and at the last minute, he was going to haul me into an alley, probably, and who knows, take my money, maybe maybe worse, maybe kill me, who knows. But, you know, a lady came out screaming, screaming, police, 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 you know. Among hundreds of people, she was the only one that did anything. And that's that's also, I think, uh, kind of a, a teaching for us as Christians, you know. When we see something wrong, you know, we should all rise to our feet, not just one person. But anyway, so she... Uh, she basically scared him away. You know, this this one woman screaming at the top of her lungs scared away this guy. And uh, so my life was preserved. Another occasion, you know, I was coming back from evangelizing downtown Paris and, um, you know, met this guy again. He was drunk, you know, and I I just said, good evening. He said, what do you mean good evening? And he, you know, again, came up and really belted me. I mean, I almost broke my jaw. And, uh, but, you know, it was dislocated perhaps, but, you know, I was healed of both the, you know, the, both of those attacks, you know, and God healed me supernaturally very quickly, so there was really no lasting damage, you know, because I was I was basically involved in his work. But, um, yeah, I think when you do start stepping out into areas that God's called you to, there is the possibility of, of danger, and I've certainly experienced that on more than one occasion. Right. Well, you know, uh, another thing is that, um, you know, I just want to read in Acts because I felt a lot of, you know, especially um, – I'll just read this and tell me what what you get with this. But I, as I was putting the show together, I felt led to uh, read Acts two eleven through twenty one, and it's talking about um, the day of Pentecost when 
they are fully calm in one place and one accord, and then there was a sound, and it says, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, this, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that who Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Amen. And signs and wonders follow those who are doing the will of God. The supernatural opens up. Um, do you have any testimony of, you know, when you, the visions that you may have seen for France? Um, you know, we, we were both talking briefly yesterday about late Miz. Sure. And this is a great time to talk about Les Miserables. And that's I saw that on Broadway, saw it in D.C., but never saw it in the movie, which I got more understanding watching the movie. But it was really almost like the gospel being preached, and it was amazing. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, we, we had talked about how the French has a way of pulling the beautiful. And you were talking about, you know, um, how we have to rally around. And my uh, one of my... Um, friends and and from Texas sent me an email and because they're praying for the show and they she wanted to say what do you think about the 340,000 people that were at the Eiffel Tower which kind of reminds me of that ending scene in Les Mis where they're rallying about here's what the people want and they were rallying against the homosexual law that was going to be I don't know if it had been passed in France but I know God has a strong word for France. And what has he shown you, either vision, words of knowledge? Just share, brother. Absolutely. You know, I, I was very privileged, and I'm not sure what our time constraints are here. Because oh, we still have about but I will 20 share this. minutes. Okay, yeah. awesome. Yeah, what I'll do is I would like to share this word because it was such a motivating word for me. And uh, just last weekend I was in, in Cleveland, and um, – I was privileged to uh, meet up with a prophet whose word I had held on to for years and years and had been such a motivating for, force for me when I was in France in the early um, 2000, uh, years of the of the millennium, of uh, a decade of, uh, of this uh, past decade. And, and anyway, so I ran across him, you know, and I was able to talk to him and I was able to, he was ministering there and, and, and uh, uh, Daniel Skelf and myself were ministering with him and so I just shared with them, you know, what an inspiration that prophetic word had been to me. So I just want to just, uh, you know, and, and, and here's the neat thing about prophecy, because, um, you know, uh, words uh, have eternal life. It's like, you know, God created the earth through words.
waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God said, let us make man in our own image. You know, all these things, um, it's it's clear God's creative force uh, is the word, uh, is his word. And in fact, the Bible says in, in Proverbs 18.21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So when these words are released, it's almost like they go into this infinity, into this eternity, and they never lose their power. So I believe this word, just like the word spoken by the prophet Jeremiah, the prophet Isaiah, and all these other prophets, you know, thousands of years ago are still valid. I believe this word is still valid for today. So, you know, I was I was uh, privileged to be able to, to meet this man uh, last week. His name is Chad Taylor. So I'm going to just uh, briefly share his uh, this word that he gave for France in 2001. He says, I saw a pillar of holy fire over France, and the Lord said, I will burn my glory over France. I will remember the words of former prophecies from centuries ago, and now they will burn. They will burn like a city upon a hill that cannot be hid. They will burn like a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of smoke by day. It will lead my people from captivity. It will cast the rider and the horse into the sea, and my people will surely be set free. I saw stars falling from the sky and hitting Paris, France. And the Lord said, I will send my messengers and harvesting angels to the city. They will put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. They will position my church in the city for harvest and revival. They will upset ancient principalities and open the lev- levied gates. Thus says the Lord to his anointed Cyrus, to whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him, and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two levied gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I saw the city burning and the sea reflecting its glory, and the Lord said, I will burn with such an intensity from this place it will be seen from across the sea, and they will be in awe. The lowly and the famous shall come to this place to worship me. I will be lifted up and then draw all to myself. And like the sea, I will cover this place with my glory. Kings and those in high places shall now turn and be saved. Those with royal blood and the blood of those that once conquered will now bow their knee to me and be saved. This is the hour that I will light a fire in Paris, France, says the Lord. I saw a generation of youth on fire like torches in the Lord's hand. And then the Lord said, I will capture the hearts of France's youth. I will ravish their heart and take them into the secret place, the holy place, they will take up the sword of my spirit and win nations. They will cross land and seize for me to set the captives free. They will be gallant and do gallant and do exploits, for this is the destiny of the Lord for my seed in France. Before you came forth out of the womb, I sanctified you, and I ordained you a prophet to the nations, O France. I called you and set you aside. Jeremiah one five, which is what we led uh, we read earlier in this broadcast. I saw a storm forming over France with lightning and thunder, and the Lord said, A storm of political controversy is forming over France, but from this storm they will see the Lord upon the water, and they will cry out to me. From this storm of controversy they uh, will rise up and, and save them. For I remember the covenants I made with their forefathers, and I will surely give them the land that I promised their forefathers. I will surely give them the land, says the Lord. I will surely give them back the land. I saw a mighty river coming out of France, filling the sea. And then the Lord said, A mighty river of revival will come from this place, a mighty river that will water Africa, that will sustain nations and cities, a river that will rush through America, reminding her of her first love, a river that will bridge the gap between nations and churches, creating an atmosphere for my glory. Out of France's belly will flow rivers of living water. Out of France's belly rivers of living water and the nations will be healed 
Prepare yourself, O France. The fire of my glory is upon you, and the day of the Lord has drawn nigh. So that's a word from Chad Taylor. And like I said, the prophetic words, when they're spoken over a nation and over a people, they have uh, a weight that goes goes on through the years. And I'm, I'm still believing and trusting God to bring this bring this to pass. And, you know, like you were saying, you saw Les Miserables, um, and, and I also saw the movie um, last week as well. And I, I thought it was interesting, the final scene where, you know, you see this, these youth, they're rising up, but it's no mm-hmm. longer proclaiming, you know, the, the violent revolution. Now it's proclaiming a, a heavenly city. It's proclaiming hope, but it's not a hope from this earth. It's a hope from above. And that's pretty much what this word is declaring. It's declaring hope for the people of France, an eternal hope. And, and that's, that's always been the reason I felt God had called me to there, uh, to the country of France, because I believe there's a worship anointing on that nation that has never really been fully exploited. I mean, the people are worshipers. They worship uh, movie stars. They worship the sun. You know, they're, they're just big beachgoers. They, they worship uh, food and all these other things. But imagine what would happen when their eyes are fixed on God. And that's kind of what this um, word is proclaiming, a, a country whose nation is fixed on God and who's a nation of worshipers that will be burning so brightly that the nations themselves will see this light, you know, and come to experience what God is doing. And so, you know, when God, you know, sends me back, my, my desire is, is to see that worship anointing fall and just to see worshipers raised up just to praise uh, God Almighty. And, you know, one of the interesting things about the conference last week that I was privileged to be part of was that they had me close the meetings with a worship song, you know, which was spontaneous, which I sang in France. But there were, I believe there was something released, you know, over that nation, you know, to, to help, in a sense, ignite that worship anointing that is within that country. And um, God wants to make, I believe, France uh, just a, a place of worship and, and glory for all the nations to come and experience a touch from God. And I have experienced personally myself a touch from God there many times myself. I truly believe it's a it's a nation of signs and wonders. Well, well, you know, on on that, I have a song that I downloaded from um, Hillsong called "At the Cross," and it's spoken in French. And if callers want to call in, it, the number is eight one eight six eight eight five six seven eight. And after the song, if anybody would like to speak to John, and John, after the song, if the, the Lord gives you a word of. Um, I really feel like you were to speak in French, and mm-hmm. if you do interpretation, fine. But um, okay. so if I want to play the song, and then we'll go into some ministry time. Um, okay. okay.
Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise you. Um, I'm going to see if this person has her hand up. Um, the the switchboard is kind of acting a little crazy. Let me just go to a caller. All right, caller four four one zero four nine three. I have you live. Would you like to make a comment or ask a question? Caller four one zero four nine three. Okay. All right. We'll just go back to you, John. Um, any parting? Would you like to say something in French if the Lord has given you anything? Yeah. Well, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just uh, maybe release a word. Amen. Release uh, the the rivers, you know, because like like I said, I really believe there's a calling upon this nation to worship. And so I'm just going to um, just briefly just kind of release a kind of a worship song, you know, over this nation. Amen. Oh, France, nous te soumettons à notre Dieu. Que ton appel s'accomplisse. De louer Dieu, d'adorer ton Seigneur. Oui, nous savons que le Seigneur t'appelle. Oui, nous savons qu'il t'aime et qu'il veut que tu le serves. Viens à mon pied, dit le Seigneur. Viens à mon côté, dit le Seigneur. Viens à côté de moi, écoutez mon cœur qui bat pour toi, la France, je t'aime, je t'aime, je t'aime, viens. Viens me connaître, viens me chercher. Viens à côté de moi pour entendre mon cœur qui bat. Je suis là pour toi. Que tes eaux coulent, Seigneur. Que tes eaux coulent sur la France. Que ton adoration touche ce peuple, Seigneur. Que ton cœur soit vu par ce peuple français. Seigneur, que tu sois élevé dans ce pays. Que ton nom soit établi en France. Alléluia. Coule avec Le fleuve de Dieu, peuple français, coule avec ton Dieu qui t'aime tellement. Peu 
peuple français, viens à ton Dieu, viens à ton sauveur, il t'aime, il t'aime, il t'aime, il t'aime, ô France, le Seigneur t'aime, il t'aime, il veut. Être ton Dieu, il veut être ton sauveur, il veut que tu le connaisses, il veut que tu le serves. La France, praise God, Hallelujah. 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 We have about eight more minutes, John. Whatever you want to share, your parting thoughts, we'll just go and just um, whatever the Lord puts on your heart. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord. We praise you. We thank you for the archived listeners, Father, that as they heard this proclamation over France, Father, that this will come to pass. Viva la France. Father, long live France, Father. Every nation has a destiny. Every nation has a destiny. And a lot of things that, the the reason why you call us to these nations, we may not understand it, but you understand it. You you, You call us to do your bidding, your work for the kingdom. And, Father, we thank you that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in in heaven. Father, let it be a holy visitation, holy, holy visitation. The banner cry for France is a holy visitation. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you for We thank you for this time. We thank you for your prophet, Father. We ask that you bless him. And and we just thank you that you keep him in your bosom, Father. And he speaks you. what you want him to speak for a now God. word for your people. We yes, thank Father. you God. in Jesus' mighty name. Yes, thank God. You. And we just release right now in Jesus' mighty name the, the destiny and the call on the nation of France. Nous libérons dans ce moment l'appel sur le peuple et sur le pays de la France. And Lord, we just thank you, God, that what you have called this nation to be and to do shall be accomplished. Et nous te remercions, Seigneur, parce que ce dont tu as appelé uh, pour cette nation uh, à faire, Seigneur, sera accompli, Seigneur, parce qu'avec toi, tout est possible. Lord, we know with you all is possible, Lord, for every listener, Father, on this broadcast. We just ask that you reach down your hand, you touch, that you uh, heal, Father God, any type of uh, issues, Lord, anything, God, where there's a need for healing, reparation, any place where there's need, God, for your intervention, the lives of those who are listening to us, even on this broadcast, Lord, we just ask, God, for your healing hand to touch, to heal, to restore, Heavenly Father. We thank you for the individual callings, Lord, even upon the the listeners, God, for those who have been listening to this broadcast, God, we just ask that you would uh, fulfill all that you've called them to do, Lord, that 
that they would walk in your ways, that they would know you as God, that they would know you as King, that they would know you as Lord and Savior, Father. We just also bless their callings, Lord, in whatever endeavor you've called them to labor in, Father. Lord, whether it's in um, the secular world, God, in business or in government, God, whether it's in ministry, God, whether uh, it's in um, uh, construction or any other field of employment as a homemaker, God, or as a whatever you've called as a student, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for each person, God, and we just speak a blessing over them. Father, we thank you, God, that nothing shall keep your plan from being accomplished for us individually or for the nations, Lord, over which you are Lord. For you truly say that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So, God, we just trust you, God, to bring about your plan, to bring about your plan for our lives individually, for the listeners' lives, and for the nation of France, God, because with you truly... Nothing shall be impossible. So we just thank you, God, for the prophetic words that have been released over France in the past, God. We believe you to see them accomplished. We believe you to see, Father God, a mighty revival gushing out of France, Lord, where hundreds and thousands and even millions, God, are ushered into your kingdom, Lord God. We just believe you, God, for truly, God, your word is yes and amen, Lord. And all of your promises are true, and we believe you to accomplish great and mighty things. So we just uh, bless you in advance for all that you're going to do. We give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise. We just thank you for this broadcast, Lord, that it touches hearts and lives and men's and heals and restores. Bless Kathy, Lord, in her call, Lord, Ariel, Lord, all that you've called her to do, Father. We just speak a blessing over her life, God, and we thank you that she shall accomplish everything that you've called her to do. We just speak expansion over her life, over her ministry, God over all that you and everyone that you would call her to minister to, Lord. We just thank you again for your good hand, for your powerful hand, your mighty hand, your holy hand upon our lives, Lord God. In Jesus' wonderful name, we pray all these things with thanksgiving. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you so much, John. This has been wonderful. It's been a blessing. And I just, you know, the whole thing with the Les Mis and the banner and raising up France, and I just want to have our banner, Holy Visitation by Karen Whelan. I want to go out with that because God is going to visit France. Thank you so much, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for another wonderful time here. And we see, we'll hear from you. And hopefully you'll call in next week But we have a wonderful, wonderful broadcast Not only today, but for next week And I just am so excited to see what God is doing And how he's using his people Thank you again, John Appreciate it Amen Thank you, Kathy Well
Revolution with a whole 